Blog Talk Radio. Calling all men. It's now your time for your show with your coach, The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. Relax, be heard, and be understood. It's a show where men can be men. Now here's the coach who has your back, Linda Gross. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Today, I am zestfully inviting you to listen to our show today. We're going to be talking about the crazy origins of wedding traditions. The couple's attendants are instructed to wear similar attire, and this was done to fend off any ill-willed spirits from cursing the happy couple. Another one, well, the veil served the purpose of hiding the relative unattractiveness of the bride as a result of an arranged marriage. And another one, the groom was dutifully discouraged from seeing the bride until it was far too late to back out because <laughs> he didn't see her until she lifted the veil, right? So we're going to talk about this and other crazy wedding traditions. It seems like they were rooted in a lot of superstition. So, But it's kind of funny that hundreds of years later, we're still doing all these nutso things, right? So if you want to call in on this topic, please do so, 323-642-1677, or I can catch you on the chat line right here on blogtalkradio.com, blogtalkradio.com forward slash DT Linda Gross forward slash DT Linda Gross. All right, so... Before you head off to the next joyous union of your best friends, why not take a moment to reflect on the rich history of marriage celebrations and revel in the realization that weddings are, at their core, inherently bizarre. All right, so let's take a look at the white wedding dress. Where on earth did that start? Today's wedding gowns aren't white. Oh, you know, the vendors use such pretty terms like, oh, it's candlelight or warm ivory, ecru, or even frost. But there was a time when the bride's attire was simply the best thing in her closet. And it could be any color, even black. I was looking at my mom's wedding photos, and she wore a very nice business suit, and they got married at the courthouse. No gown involved. <laughs> All right. So, and then, you know, here in this country, we have the white wedding dress. But, you know, if you come from the country of India, the traditional garb is to wear a wet red dress. Okay, so let's go back to where this white wedding started from. It was dear old Queen Victoria, whose reign lasted over 70 years. She was the one who made white fashionable. So she wore a pale gown trimmed in orange blossoms for 
her 1840 wedding to her first cousin, by the way, Prince Albert. You can see her photo in the photo carousel right here on Blog Talk Radio. All right. So hordes of royal crazed Phlebians immediately began to copy her, which is an astonishing feat considering that People Magazine wasn't even around to publish the super exclusive wedding photos or even to instruct readers on how to steal Vicky's hot wedding style. But word got out fast, and it still remains popular to this day. So to convince her groom that, she, that the bride came from a wealthy family, the brides would also pile on layers of fur, silk, and velvet, as apparently grooms didn't care if his wife-to-be reeked with sweaty B.O. as long as she was loaded. That's funny. So it turns out not much has changed in all these years, right? All right. Giving away the bride. Well, most of society's gender issues stem from the fact that fathers once used their daughters as currency to for a couple of things, to pay off a debt to a wealthier landowner, to symbolize a sacrificial monetary peace offering to an opposing tribe, or to buy their way into a higher social strata. Mm, Bad daddy. (laughs) So the next time you tear up watching a beaming father walk his little girl down the aisle, remember that it's just a tiny barbaric holdover from the days when daughters were nothing but dollar signs to daddy dearest. Oh my. And that veil that she's wearing, well, this common American tradition seems so sweet, but its origins aren't exactly tender. For hundreds of years, fathers arranged their daughters' marriages by offering money to the young men. Get them out of the house, right? Let it be someone else's issue. All right, so the veil was so the groom wouldn't know if he was stuck with Uggo the Clown until it was time to kiss the bride and too late to back out on the transaction. So tradition dictated that it was bad luck for a man to see his bride before the ceremony really started out as insurance for her dad. Also, there is some superstitious BS about warding off evil spirits, but we think you'll agree that hiding an unattractive daughter was the far more commonly used reason for the veil. All right, wedding party. All right, who came up with all this nonsense, right? Well, the original duty of the best man was to serve as an armed backup for the groom in case he had to resort to kidnapping his intended bride away from her disapproving parents. So the best part of that title refers to his skill with a sword, should the need arise. You wouldn't want to just take a just okay member of your weapon-wielding posse with you to steal yourself a wife now, would you? So, he was chosen for his combat skills. You know, this could come in handy. The best man 
stands guard next to the groom right up through the exchange of vows and later outside the newlyweds' bedroom door just in case anyone should attack or if a non-acquiescent bride tries to make a run for it. (laughs) All right, so that best man is a sturdy person, so that's what he was chosen for. Now, it is said that feisty groups like the Huns, Goths, and Visigoths took so many brides by force that they kept a cache of weapons stored beneath the floorboards of churches, you know, for convenience. (laughs) All right, so modern-day best men are more likely to store an emergency six-pack at the ceremony to calm the groom's nerves. He may not have on combat gear, but today providing alcohol is an important function nonetheless. All right, now what about those ugly bridesmaid dresses. Where did that come from? Well, believe it or not, the concept of the bridesmaid's gown was not invented to inflict painful dowdiness on the bride's friends or the female relatives, thus by making the bride look hotter by comparison. So it was not that. So where did this come from? Well, historically, that dress that they'll never wear again was actually selected with the purpose of tricking the eye of evil spirits and jealous lovers. Brides' faithful attendants were instructed to wear a dress similar to that of the bride so that during the group stroll to the church, it would be hard for any ill-willed spirits or modern-day former boy toys to spot the bride and to curse, kidnap, or throw rocks at her. Ditto for the boys in the matching penguin suits, saving the groom from a similar feat. Oh, my. (laughs) All right. Now, how about the garter and the bouquet toss? Where did that come from? Well, This pair of rituals has been the curse of the modern wedding guest. What could possibly be more humiliating than being forced out to the center of the dance floor and being expected to demonstrate your desperation by diving for flowers? How about grasping in the air for that lacy piece of undergarment until moments ago resided uncomfortably close to the crotch of your buddy's wife? At any other point in time, that would make you seem wildly creeped. So why is this tradition acceptable at a wedding? Well, it used to be that after the bride and groom said, I do, they were to go immediately to a nearby room and consummate the, mar- the marriage. This was especially true for royalty because they wanted to make sure that the offspring were the direct descendants of the king and queen, right? Okay. Um, so to, to make it, super official back in the day, there needed to have been witnesses, which basically led to hordes of wedding guests crowding around the marital bed, pushing and shoving to get a good view and hopefully get their hands on a lucky piece of the bride's dress as it was ripped from her body. 
Sometimes the greedy guests help the process by grabbing at the bride's dress as she walked by, hoping for a few threads of good fortune. In time, it seems that people realized that this was, well, to put it mildly, a bit creepy. And it was decided that for the modesty's sake of the bride, that she could toss her bouquet as a diversion as she made her getaway and the groom could simply remove an item of the bride's undergarments and then toss it back outside to the waiting throngs to prove that he was about to, well, you know, seal the deal. All right. Now, we've all heard the rhyming expression, something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue, and a sixpence in my shoe, right? Where did that tradition come from? Well, we're going to talk about that and other weird traditions surrounding the wedding ceremony. So I need you to call in. That number is 323-642-1677, 323-642-1677. And we're going to catch you right back after the break. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. We will be discussing men's issues, dating, relationships, sex, women, fitness, health, business, men's hobbies, men's rights, and more. She will be talking about excerpts from her men's book, Mastering Women, too. Hi, guys. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show. Linda Gross wants you to know what turns a woman on and makes her go wild so she just can't help herself. Check out Linda's book, Mastering Women, Real Truth About Women That'll Change Your Life Forever. Linda gives you all the insider tips on how to catch a woman and, if you want, to keep her. In four easy steps, these proven techniques will make women just melt. Ever wonder why the girl you really liked seemed to be great when you met and then all of a sudden just goes cold on you and turns you off? Linda will also let you know what not to do on a date. Never blow it again by losing another hot woman. You don't have to be good looking or even have money. Her book, Mastering Women, is available in paperback and ebook. Men, Linda's on your side. So buy her book, Mastering Women. Buy it for now. And don't keep your women waiting another minute. Get Mastering Women today. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. Welcome back, everybody. You're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show, and today we are talking about the crazy origins of wedding traditions. Where on earth did these things come from? Well, superstition, I guess. So if you want to join in on the conversation, call us at 323-642-1677, 323-642-1677, or I'll watch for you on the chat line right here on blogtalkradio.com, blogtalkradio.com, forward slash DT Linda Gross, forward slash DT 
Linda Gross. All right, so something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue, and a sixpence in my shoe. Now, we've all heard this rhyming expression. What is all this? Well, a sixpence is about six pennies, and here in America, they don't really use that last phrase, the sixpence, I guess because we wouldn't understand what it is, which is, you know, the six pennies were meant to bring the bride and her new groom actual cold, hard fortune. Hmm. Who wouldn't want that? So a common theme that you've no doubt noticed during this discourse, humans used to be a very superstitious bunch. This rhyming phrase neatly lists a number of English customs dating back to the Victorian age when worn in combination should bring the bride oodles of fabulous good luck. Some, the something old was meant to tie the bride to her family and to her past. The something new represented, re, represented her new life as the property of the new family. And the item borrowed was supposed to be taken from someone who was already a successfully married wife so as to pass it on, you know, pass on a bit of her good fortune to the new bride. Now, the color blue stood for all kinds of super nice things like faithfulness, loyalty, and purity. So just in case that wasn't enough, the brides of yore carried bunches of herbs to ward off evil spirits. So most brides today carry expensive flowers. I'm not sure that that fulfills the same purpose, but... It's a representation. All right, so how about saving the wedding cake? Why did that happen? Well, why do couples eat freezer-burned wedding cake on their one-year anniversary? To answer this, we must, we must look at the lyrics of a schoolyard classic. You know, the one you've heard, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes a baby in a baby carriage. Well, it used to be assumed that when there was a wedding, a christening would follow shortly. So rather than bake two cakes for the occasions, they would just bake one big one, save part of it to be eaten at a later date when the squealing bundle of joy arrived. Eventually, folks warmed to the idea of giving the newborn their own newly baked cake. But the custom of saving a portion of the wedding cake far longer than it should be saved and then eating it and deluding oneself to believe that it actually tastes good is, is a tradition that still persists to this day. Got another one. Why do people tie tin cans to the back of the married couple's car. Well, this tradition actually started during the Tudor period in England. As the bride and groom left their carriage, wedding guests would throw their shoes at them because it was considered good luck if you were actually able to hit the vehicle. Hmm. So, Today, that might be considered a lawsuit, so instead we tie the, the tin cans to the car instead. And back in the day, I guess this started out as a nice tradition, but then 
the wedding guests would have to walk back home with only one shoe, and that was no fun. So Americans decided, well, let's use aluminum tin cans instead. Makes sense. Now, how did we get to the ring finger? Do know that not every country has the same ring finger. So in some parts of India, wedding bands are worn on the thumb. In third century Greece, the ring finger was the index finger. But later, the Greeks believed that the third finger on a person's hand was connected directly to the heart by a root called the vein of love. So so today's Western tradition stems from that. I think that's kind of cute. All right, weird wedding laws that are still on the books. Okay, so in South Carolina, if a man over 16 proposes to an unwed woman without actually intending to marry her, he's guilty of a misdemeanor under the Offenses Against Morality and Decency Clause. (laughs) Don't get too jazzed, ladies. You can't bring the sleazeball up on charges unless you can get someone to corroborate your story that he proposed as a means of seduction. Not to mention, the whole thing is null and void if the accused man can prove at the time of the alleged seduction, the woman in uh, question was behaving in a lewd and unchaste manner. Oh, my. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about North Carolina. It's against the law to pretend to be married when registering for a hotel room. So the next time the unknowing clerk hands you and your bedtime buddy the room and keys, the room keys and says, enjoy your stay, Mr. and Mrs. Guest, you may want to correct them because that could get you in legal trouble. So you might be suffering um, the consequence of a class two misdemeanor by representing yourselves as a married couple when actually you're not. On the other hand, if the couple checking into the honeymoon suite is legitimately hitched, but can't close the deal due to one or both parties not sexually performing, the marriage can be declared null and void. One has to wonder if there is a dispensing machine in the bathroom these days with an emergency stock of Viagra. Hmm. All right. So let's move on over to Montana. Now, (laughs) This is a convenient one. The couple can marry even if neither of them is present. This miracle marriage is done by way of what's called a double proxy ceremony, particularly popular with soldiers who are deployed overseas who wish to get married without coming home on leave. So this type of marriage is arranged through a lawyer who then hires two proxies who are anyone with a free afternoon and a desire for some extra cash, I guess, to come sit before the judge, recite the vows, and sign the marriage license on behalf of the absent bride and groom. 
Oh, my goodness. So also potentially an option for the ultra-lazy couple that can't even be bothered to elope and would prefer to have someone else do the I-doing for them while they relax in front of the TV without the blisters from high heels or having to wear a bow tie. Well, I guess that doesn't sound so bad, bad after all. Let's take a look at Arkansas. Their state law mistakenly allows uh, persons of any age, including toddlers, to marry as long as they had parental consent. So this gaffe in the law was made when a minimum age requirement was accidentally left out of the amended marriage law aimed at establishing 18 as the legal age of non-parental consented marriage. The law stayed on the books for about a year until it was finally corrected in 2008. So I guess if you're a toddler, you could have said, I do. (laughs) All right. In Alabama, in the event of a divorce, women are entitled to keep any and all possessions that they acquired prior to the marriage. The law is unfair as no such allowance is made for the man. So while his original vinyl record collection may be in jeopardy, she gets to keep the multiple rooms of pottery barn furniture that she brought into the marriage without further discussion. My, oh, my. Let's move on over to New Orleans in Louisiana. It is illegal for anyone claiming to be a palm reader, fortune teller, mystic healer, or any other magic possessor to offer up marriage services. Hmm. I guess maybe Louisiana has an abundance of those types of professions. I can understand why they wrote that law. All right. If you've just joined us, you're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Today we are talking about the crazy origins of wedding traditions. So when we come back from the break, We're going to talk about historical figures who married their cousins. Ew and ick. (laughs) All right. Now, you might have thought that this happened hundreds of years ago, but I say nay, nay. A lot of these crazy people, it happened kind of recently, and they still got away with it. But okay. All right. So. Call, call me on this topic, 323-642-1677, 323-642-1677, or I'm going to look for you on the chat line right here on blogtalkradio.com, blogtalkradio.com forward slash DT Linda Gross, forward slash DT Linda Gross. I'll catch you right back after the break. Hey guys, do you have a nagging problem that you just can't get a handle on? Now you can talk to an expert coach right in the privacy of your own home. Meet in person, over the phone, or with a free Skype call anywhere in the world. 
Linda is here to make it easy for you. Linda Gross has done years of academic research combined with interviewing over 20,000 men. Linda's expert advice gets you through tackling relationship issues, business goals, conflict resolution, and removing lifetime roadblocks that have kept you back, usually handled in four sessions or less. Realize the benefits now. Go to the Men's Advocate page slash coaching and you'll be on your way. That's themensadvocate.com slash coaching. Darn! Maybe you missed part of this show. Maybe you're still at work during the show. Maybe you heard the show but would like to listen again. Your problems are easily solved. Listen to any and all of Linda's archived shows at your convenience. Just Google SoundCloud The Men's Advocate. That's Google SoundCloud The Men's Advocate. The on-demand library is also available on the TuneIn app. Subscribe now and please share with your friends. Welcome back, everybody. You're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. Today, we are talking about some crazy origins of wedding traditions. How do they get started? Why does this nonsense continue? I don't know. (laughs) All right, so let's move on now. We're going to talk about historical figures who have married their cousins. All right. Well, Johann Sebastian Bach He had seven children with his first wife, who was also his second cousin. She died, and then he remarried, racking up a total of 20 children altogether. Wow. Edgar Allan Poe. His father had abandoned the family, and his mother had died of consumption when he was just two years old. It's no wonder that his work is macabre. He went on to live with his aunt, and then married the aunt's daughter, which was his cousin, when she was only 13 years old. And how about Jerry Lee Lewis, rock and roller Jerry Lee Lewis, in 1957 married his cousin Myrna, who was also only 13 years old. This caused an uproar, and radio stations refused to play his music, which almost ended his career. Rudy Giuliani, yep, that's the uh, the New York mayor. He had just graduated law school in 1968 when he married his second cousin. He thought that was a good idea. His Her name was Regina. <laughs> he went on to marry two more times. Thankfully, not no more cousins. All right, Charles Darwin, who's the father of evolution, married his first cousin. Emma Wedgwood. Their mutual grandfather, Josiah Wedgwood, started the Wedgwood Porson Empire, and they ended up having ten children together. Albert Einstein. Well, Einstein moved in with his second cousin, Elsa, two years before his divorce was final from his first wife. He ended up marrying Elsa not long after his divorce. And let's take a look at Jesse James. He married his first cousin, Zeralda. Thomas Jefferson married his third cousin, Martha Wales. H.G. Wells married his first cousin, Isabel, Isabel Mary Wells. Igor, 
Igor Stravinsky married his first cousin, Katerina Nosenko. How about Carlo Gambino, who married his first cousin, Catherine Castellano? And lots of royals, okay, including Queen Elizabeth II, who married her third cousin, Prince Philip. Marie Antoinette married her cousin, King Louis XVI. Catherine the Great married her cousin, Peter III of Russia. All right. Well, you know, I guess they had all those rules with the royals that you have to marry another royal. And sometimes that supply of, you know, decent royals dwindles and there isn't much to choose from. So you end up marrying a cousin or a second cousin or whatever just to keep that bloodline going. Um, they've diverged from that in recent years, especially the British monarchy, but they still try to keep to it. All right. Well, I want to thank you for joining our program today. If you happen to have missed um, our last show, we were talking about ending multitasking. So there's a new technique called the Pomodoro technique. Now, would you like to beat procrastination and improve your focus? The secret to effective time management is thinking in tomatoes rather than hours, says says the author of this technique. Today we're going to, I mean, uh, last time we were talking about this seemingly silly technique which is changing millions of people who swear by this life-changing power. So we were discussing ways to cope with this overbearing personality, right? So what you need to do is go check that out. So where do you do that? You can do that right here on Blog Talk Radio in the archives, or better yet, you can, the best places to check out my previous shows are SoundCloud, TuneIn, and iTunes, where you'll get the full six years of shows right at your fingertips. So if you're a new listener, you can do some binge listening and catch up, as they say. Thank you for listening to our show today. I really appreciate it. Please tell your friends and family. There's lots of ways that you can show your love if you happen to like our show today. You can listen, call, subscribe, chat, like our fan page, follow, comment, share, tell a friend, advertise with me, start with my Amazon link, download my app, and buy my book on Amazon. What's the name of the book? Well, it is The Science of Mastering Women, The Science of Mastering Women, the real truth about women that will change your life forever. All right? The science of mastering women, the real truth about women that will change your life forever. Where can you get it? On Amazon. You can download in a few seconds or what most men do is they request Amazon to send you the paperback, which takes about five days or so. But I think what they do is when you do that, you automatically get the ebook, so you get two for the price of one. Might as well just do that while you're waiting around for the five days. You can start in on the ebook, so you actually have both formats right there. So that's what I would do. And if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can download that ebook. For free, all right? So make that happen.
Okay, I want to give a shout out to one of the sponsors of my show, Aaron Clary. He has a recent book out. It's called The Book of Numbers. The Book of Numbers, Analyzing the ROI on the Pursuit of Women. You can find it on Amazon. That's The Book of Numbers. He also has a terrific podcast, so check him out, Aaron Clary. If you want me to sign your book, the first way is you have Amazon ship it to me. The second way is if you already have a book, send it to me. I'll sign it and ship it back, right? So all of those instructions on how and where, et cetera, just go to my website, themensadvocate.com, themensadvocate.com. Scroll down to the bottom, and there's a place there that says sign my book. You can click on that, and it will give you the instructions. Thank you so much for joining our show today. I've enjoyed having you here. Please tell your friends and family, share this program. And I will see you next time right here on the Men's Advocate Show. Bye for now.